This morning I am supposed to uh, speak with you about stewardship and your financial support of St. John's. Uh, Instead, I would like to talk a little bit about uh, current events and our stewardship of life as Christians. Uh, And because I changed what I'm going to talk about, you could do me a huge favor if you uh, at some point took your uh, 2016 annual fund commitment card and filled it out with a generous pledge to St. John's, so uh, I will have done my job and I don't get in trouble with our director of stewardship. The timing of the readings we have heard this morning is perhaps sadly ironic. The passage we just heard from uh, the gospel is part of what is called the Little Apocalypse in the Gospel of Mark. And the context for the author of Mark and that fledgling Christian community, uh, the first gospel, is the time of the Jewish-Roman War that led to the destruction of the temple. Mark's community is likely caught between the insurgency and the occupying force and perhaps persecuted by both sides if they do not join with the resistance or with the collaborators. And it seems in the passage that Jesus is suggesting that they do neither. Being a Christian in a place like Syria or perhaps the West Bank is maybe the closest current analogy to the context of the passage we heard this morning. The temple, this incredible, beautiful, huge monument in Jerusalem that was so important to the people was for them the closest point of connection between God and them. So for Jews, its destruction, the destruction of the temple was the unhinging of everything thought to be stable and reliable in their lives. Their relationship hinged on that building. And so everything suddenly is out of control. Some 2,000 years later, this passage speaks powerfully of our own day. The horrific terrorist violence in Paris, bombings in Beirut and Baghdad, the bombing of a Russian airliner. In our own day, there are wars and rumors of war. Nation is rising up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. ISIS is a false messiah shouting out, I am he, and leading so many astray. It is such an evil perversion of Islam and hate that is truly an apocalyptic death cult. And so many of ISIS's victims are themselves Muslims, and so many Muslims have objected to ISIS, saying this is not our Islam. 
and in our own country against a tide of secular, non-religious culture, segments of Christianity are becoming more socially extreme. A very recent example, Starbucks using plain red cups instead of ones with snowflakes on them is not an anti-Christian war on Christmas, as some have claimed. And as followers of Jesus in America, we must stand up against a false persecution complex. Jesus tells us that when we see these signs, we should not be alarmed. How can we not be alarmed? A bomb in Beirut is no less tragic than the violence in Paris. But Paris feels more immediate, more close to us. More of us have been there. It feels more like it could happen to us here. It is alarming to think that someone you do not know and who does not know you wants to kill you. William Butler Yeats' poem, The Second Coming, captures the foreboding we can feel in days like this in images that are hauntingly accurate. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed. And everywhere, the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. We must heed Jesus and not be led astray by our fears or become one-dimensional in our thinking. Jesus says that these signs are just the birth pangs. If you have ever experienced birth pangs or witnessed someone going through birth pangs and then witnessed a birth, you know that how pain and even intense fear in that process can be turned to joy and love at that moment of birth. I honestly wondered in the birth of our son how my wife physically survived that process and the intense pain she seemed to be going through, which moments later had turned into tears of absolute joy. Martin Luther King said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. What is Jesus but God's great act of love to a world that had turned against God? 
Jesus calls us to love one another. Indeed, Jesus calls us to do the hardest thing. To love our enemies and to pray for those who hate us. For God takes no delight in us sacrificing each other. And this truly is, at least for me, the hardest thing. My prayer at the nine o'clock service was not a prayer for our enemies, but that I would have the ability, I prayed that I would have the ability to pray for our enemies, because I can't right now. But I want to follow Jesus, and I want to be able to pray for my enemies and to strive to love those who hate us. Ultimately, we must trust in God's goodness and mercy. Because in Jesus Christ, the center does hold. And the loss of innocence is turned into integrity. So what do we do here as the people of St. John's and members of this community? As individuals, we can exercise our citizenship in the political process as each of us sees best. People join groups like ISIS because their lives lack dignity, respect, and opportunity. They want to share the pain they believe, right or wrong, that we have inflicted upon them. In our baptism, we pledge to respect the dignity of every human being. As people who do have opportunity, how do we respond to those who do not? As a church community, we strive to be the people Jesus calls us to be. We heed the words from this morning's reading from Hebrews. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. That is what we are about as a church. Provoking one another to love and good deeds. Life is not measured by lifespan, but by love. The purpose of life is not to stay alive, but to stay in love. Love will always conquer death. That is the new birth and victory of our God.